0: sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy
1: on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. We will never know how many thousands or millions of youngsters do not get their start in the workplace because they've been priced out of it. We're pricing out entry-level jobs. You know, there's no such thing as an entry-level job any longer. If you've got a job, it has to pay for a family of four. It's got to be a living wage. It's a tragedy that those people will not be getting those jobs. What a shame.
2: The president may never be found guilty of it, but he can be impeached for it. It's my opinion that the Judiciary Committee is not doing its job. If the Judiciary Committee doesn't move forward, then I think it's incompetent upon the 435 members, each of whom have the opportunity to bring articles of impeachment, to consider doing so.
3: Just when they were getting ready to take the picture, she looked up and said, I've never been this close to a black man before. And I looked down and said, I'm not black. And she said, what? And that's how they took the picture of her going, And now, Stacey Washington.
4: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. We had someone in the call queue to talk about the uniforms or the school dress code. But it looks like she may have dropped off. If you still want to chat, we'd love to hear from you. Um, call lines are open at 866-963-2037. But right now, uh, we are going to, uh, let me run down for you real quick. This hour on the show, happy Friday to you. We're going to be talking about, um, representative Al Green having this ridiculous statement that the president doesn't need to commit a crime to be impeached. You know why they're saying that they're saying that because that's what makes them feel good. That's the way they can nullify the result of the last election. They can basically put their stompy foot down one last time and say, "Hey, you don't have the right to beat Hillary Clinton, so you won't be president. We may not be able to get Hillary in there, but we don't you, you you're not going to beat us we We aren't beaten by you. We'll still beat you. That's what the Democrats are up to. Uh, we're also going to talk about Stuart Varney uh, slamming Alexandria Ocasio cortez for her. Uh, kind of ineptitude where she goes and visits a coffee shop where she got her start in the work world only to find out that it's this iconic coffee shop that was in lots of different television shows in Hollywood is actually closing down because they were forced to pay a $15 minimum wage, which meant they couldn't pay their rents, which were skyrocketing. And so they're going out of business for good. And then in the final segment, we're going to be speaking with Demetrius Minor. He's director of coalitions for AFP Florida and uh, also a member of project 21, but he's coming on today to talk about how stadium subsidies lead to corporate welfare. And this is important because, like for St. Louis, we lost our NFL team, the Rams. They wanted to. Stan Kroenke was the owner of the Rams. He still is. He wanted to increase the value of the Rams by moving it to uh, California, to Los Angeles, and the value of the team would immediately increase because the the land there is so much more valuable. And so he he did that, and he kind of said it was because we wouldn't give him a brand-new stadium with the kind of terms that he wanted. And what's interesting about that is that NFL is so profitable. It's so profitable. So why wouldn't they just pay for their own toys? Why do we taxpayers, like, I'm not even a football fan. Why do I have to pay ta- for, you know, my tax dollars have to go to subsidize the stadium? Well, it makes St. Louis a world-class town, does it? Does it really make St. Louis a world-class town? I don't think so. I mean, sure. I think St. Louis is a world-class town anyway, even though we no longer have the Rams. It's like, you know, not that big of a deal. So AFR.net is the website. Also, a, or UrbanFamilyTalk.com, I was going to say AFP. That's not our website. And also, I want to encourage you to follow us at Stacyontheright.com and on Twitter and Instagram. So right now, let's listen to, it's Representative Al Green, Hardcore liberal Democrat talking about the president not really needing to commit a crime to be impeached.
2: Uh, this is a very sad time in the history of our country. Uh, this is not something that I enjoy talking about, nor is it something that I would like to do. But I think it's becoming increasingly clear that the president will have two options one, he can resign from office, or two, he can face impeachment. Impeachment is something that the framers of the Constitution provided for a time such as this and a president such as Trump. The president does not have to commit a crime to be impeached. In fact, the president is not likely to be indicted, which means he's not likely to be found guilty of a crime while he's sitting, which means that if this comes before the House, it won't come before the House as a president who has been found guilty, but rather as a president who is alleged to have committed certain offenses that are onerous to the Constitution and that harm society. And what this president is doing is harming society.
4: Now, first thing what you to notice is how vague that was. Vague and completely obtuse. He's doing things to harm this society. What things? What things is President Trump doing that are harming American society? The tweets? You got to be kidding me. You know, we've got what? Less than 20% of Americans are actually on Twitter. So the rest of the Americans are like, what tweets? What are you talking about? I haven't seen any tweets. Are you talking about him saying things that you don't like? Well, that happened while Barack Obama was president too, and it wasn't a constitutional crisis. So what gives? He's so vague there. He basically has just told us that the Democrat strategy, if they take back the House, is to impeach the president for being Donald Trump. The same man they all loved and took money from When he was a private citizen. So, you know, if it stinks, it's because there's something wrong. And that totally stunk. And I thank them for, uh, you know, coming up with that stuff and telling us the truth. Because these are the things that we need to be focused on when we're thinking about what to do in November. Focus on what both sides, both parties have said they're going to do what both parties have said are their primary objectives, and then make your choice based on that. Um, it is true that we need 67 votes. It's two-thirds votes in the Senate to uh, impeach the president. So, But this isn't about impeachment as in removal for the Democrats just yet. They don't think they're taking the Senate back. It's highly unlikely that they take the Senate back. It's that they want to impeach the president to hobble him and, and stop him from pushing forward with his agenda because it's been so successful. You look at everything that's going on financially, economically, the, the country is booming. And the Democrats can't allow one of their core constituency groups to realize that economic freedom and having not just a job, but a job that's paying more and paying well and has possibility for uh, promotion – that kind of movement economically in the black community means black people will start considering voting for the Republicans if for no other reason than economically they're doing well. They don't want people realizing that they're shooting themselves in the foot by voting for the Democrats. Sorry, they just don't want that. So. Um, OK, now. There was also the fact that, just in case you're wondering, Representative Al Green, do you remember that name? It's kind of pinging around in your brain. You're like, he sounds like somebody. He was the one that thought Guam was going to tip over into the ocean because we had too much military equipment on the island or something like that. It's just lunacy, honestly. Just the craziest stuff you've ever, ever heard. And then there it is. Um, So there's a big, big... um, you know, thing going on with Trump canceling Pompeo's visit to North Korea. And this was um, kind of something that we foresaw because the president said all along that if North Korea complied with, you know, their, their agreement to begin nuclear denuclearization efforts that there would continue to be, you know, open dialogue between the two countries. Well, the upcoming scheduled visit from Secretary of State Mike Pompeo to North Korea has been canceled at this time because they're not on the right track with denuclearization. They have also been made aware that the United States is taking on a much tougher trading stance with China. And so China's not helping along with the process of denuclearization in North Korea as they once were despite the UN sanctions that are in place. So this situation is, it's still, it remains fraught with a lot of moving parts and things that are just kind of difficult to, uh, you know, navigate. And the president is doing the best that he can in the situation. And I've never been one to believe that this was going to be an easy process or that the you know, dictator in Korea was going to suddenly begin to be very, very much, you know, a, uh, you know, just all of a sudden he's going to start acting like a Westerner and honoring his commitments. I just never saw that as being something that was going to be easy. So we'll see. But I I give the president credit for taking all of the opportunities that he could to make this happen. And I'm sure that they're doing everything they can behind the scenes to make it even better. Um, But that is one of the stories. And then also... One of the other things that is a big, big story for the weekend is that some hurricane called Weakening Lane still on track to slam Hawaii with widespread floods and mudslides. So the president has declared a state of emergency in Hawaii, um, which makes disaster relief funds from federal agencies like FEMA available to the islands. And they have images that are just stunning floodwaters coursing down the Waikuku River near Hilo, Hawaii um, rains of 10 to 20 inches struck the region, so it is it's really it's amazing uh, what's going on there. As of 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, Lane's top sustained winds were down to 110 miles per hour, so it's a top-end Category 2 storm. Lane's center was located about 145 miles west southwest of Kailua-Kona, so it's it's right there in the heart of everything. Uh, we have to. Keep the people of Hawaii in our prayers that not only will we not see a loss of life, but that the actual property damage will be minimal, hoping that they're not going to have, you know, lots of damage that they'll have to rebuild and all of that. The forecast is for colossal rainfall amounts that may produce locally devastating impacts. Uh, And, of course, we're also talking about high winds um, and just it's hurricane. It's, It's a hurricane. So I have to pray for them. Um, the other thing that we have going on is that Chinese military has announced that they are going to join the Russians for nuclear war games. Now, this is not something that we've seen often. You've got the Pentagon closely watching Beijing and Moscow forces because they're going to do a exercise together, calling it Vostok 18. Russia and China are going to hold large scale military exercise next, next month, including simulated nuclear weapons attacks. The People's Liberation Army will send more than 3,200 troops, 900 pieces of military equipment, and 30 aircraft to Russia for the exercise known as Vostok 18, or East 18, the Chinese Defense Ministry said. They've noted that the exercises will involve practicing maneuver defense, live firing of weapons, and counterattacks. We urge Russia to take steps to share information regarding its exercises and operations in Europe to clearly convey its intentions and, and minimize any potential misunderstanding. And that is according to Eric Pahan, who's the Pentagon spokesman, talking about Vostok 18. Additionally, joint Russian-Chinese exercises scheduled for September 11 through 15th will include military forces from Mongolia for the first time. Mongolia, which was aligned with the Soviet Union until 1990, in recent years has sought closer ties to the United States despite being located directly between Russia and China. A Pentagon official said the Vostok war games will be closely watched by U.S. intelligence agencies. So the reason we're watching closely is because they expect that they're going to use simulated nuclear weapons. So we want to see exactly what they're going to be simulating. Luckily, we have satellites, so we can take a peek. But um, we're going to be looking to see what they're doing and seeing what their strategic messaging is. Is because the, just the fact that they're holding the war games together is a message to the United States. A Pentagon uh, official, actually, it's a senior fellow at the International Assessment and Strategy Center, Rick Fisher, issued a statement saying, For nearly 20 years, Vostok has been the Russian proving exercise for developing their new escalate to de escalate tactical nuclear doctrine involving the use of new, very small nuclear weapons fired mainly by artillery nuclear weapons fired by artillery. Interesting. All right. What we're going to do now is go to the break. And when we get back, we're going to talk about the coffee shop destroyed by the $15 an hour minimum wage. And um, we'll also take calls if you'd like to call in, 866-963-2037, urbanfamilytalk.com, afr.net. Be right back.
3: Hello everyone, I'm Tim Wildman, president of American Family Association and American Family Radio. You know, the very first day in Israel, when we're staying in Jerusalem, we go to the Mount of Olives. And it's there at the Mount of Olives we look out over the old city of Jerusalem. It's a spectacular sight. You've seen it in pictures before, but it's another thing to actually be there as we walk down from the Mount of Olives to the Garden of Gethsemane and we pray there. It's gonna be a wonderful time with brothers and sisters from around the country visiting the Holy Land, the land of Jesus. If you want information on this March 14th through the 22nd tour, just call us and we'll send you a brochure. Call 1-800-FAMILIES, F-A-M-I-L-I-E-S, option 5, and leave us your name and your address and we'll mail you a brochure. Or if you want to simply go online at TWHolyLand.com, everything's there. TWHolyLand.com. This is Viewpoints with Kirby Anderson.
0: No doubt when you were growing up, some adult admonished you to say what you mean and mean what you say. That advice should be spread far and wide when politicians, commentators, and others use words and phrases without any precision. When the New York Times hired Sarah Jung, critics pointed to all of her tweets and verbal attacks on white people and law enforcement. J.G. McCullough, in a recent commentary, reminds us that one of the defenses of her horrible statements was that all of this was done satirically and hyperbolically. Well, using extreme language and hyperbole may get you hired at The New York Times, but it won't work in the real world. While taking a tour of the White House, say you wish you could kill the president. See how that works out for you. While you're in a police station, say that you wish all the cops would die. I doubt you'd get a linguistic pass for that statement. And the term fake news used to be applied to websites, like The Onion, that use satire to make a political point. Today, the term has been so overused that it's almost meaningless. For most people today, the term fake news is used to describe a story or a news organization they dislike. And while we're talking about hyperbole and fake news, we need to mention the president's tweets. Some of his defenders try to defend his indefensible comments by saying we shouldn't always take what he writes literally. No, we should take the words and actions of a president seriously. We also have heard the term deep state used indiscriminately. It used to mean a nefarious group of insiders in a foreign government. Today, it's often used to describe some federal bureaucrat you don't like and don't trust. These are just a few examples of why our elders told us to say what you mean and mean what you say. I'm Kirby Anderson, and that's my point of view. Take Kirby and the Point of View team with you on the go with the Point of View app. Search for Point of View Radio at the Apple or Google Play stores.
5: Welcome back to Stacey on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk.
4: Hello. Welcome back to the show. (laughs) It's great to be with you. It's great to be here on a Friday, and I have to say... It's time. It's time for another installment of our numerous updates and the continuing saga of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the democratic socialist, young girl taking on the world. You know, she's on her way to Congress and she's got so much to share with us as Americans. All of us old fuddy-duddies who believe in capitalism, all of us you know, we're gripping our little checkbooks and our little savings passbooks, and we're just like wanting to keep all the money we've earned and maybe grow it into something for our kids or our grandkids. That's all. That's all poppycock. We shouldn't be doing that. We sh- what we should be doing is pooling our resources and. Putting our money into a big pile so Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez can tell us what to do with it. Never mind the fact that she has no life experience. She's not married. She doesn't have any kids. She hasn't worked for 10, 15, 20 years to build anything up. She hasn't saved anything. She hasn't started a business. She hasn't written the checks where she signs on the front. She's only signing checks on the back. She's never held a job for a long, long time and then watched as that job, the, the, the business went under because of idiotic policies and ideas put forward by people like herself. No, she's just young and fresh and hip. And she has cool ideas like the ones that are currently burning Venezuela to the ground. So what are we like? What's wrong with us? Put our, we should put our checkbooks and our Bibles and our guns and our savings pass books and our little investment, you know, statements. We should put all that down for a second or maybe just set it on fire and turn and subserviently submit ourselves to Alexandria because she certainly knows better than we do. She's just so accomplished. Wow. So I hope you hear the sarcasm dripping from my voice because that chick does not have anything she can tell me about anything. She hasn't worked. She hasn't lived. She hasn't done anything that would commend her to me as an expert, someone I should listen to and tell me what to do with myself. I mean, and... and I know there are people out there who will say, well, I've never been married. It's, it's not about everyone getting married, but I'm using that as one of the things that wisens people up. And if you're married and you, you know what I mean, there's nothing like being responsible for a whole nother person and understanding that all of your actions impact that person and that you can really, you can destroy another person's life if you marry them and then you go down the wrong path. And so it grows you up. You begin to become more wise. And then Throw a couple of kids into the mix, throw one kid into the mix. All of a sudden now you're responsible for a person who, unlike your spouse, who could just, you know, detach themselves and take care of themselves because they're an adult. Now you're responsible for a little person who honestly relies on you for everything, every breath they take, every moment they have that's safe is your responsibility. Now throw in some work history and some savings and maybe you've bought a home, maybe you've bought a car, now you're in the investment market, maybe you have a 401k, now you're living, now you've got a lot of skin in the game, now decisions that you make are going to reverberate, they're either going to take you down a path that is, you know, has some more prosperity in it or it's going to take you down a path of destruction where your finances and everything you've got are just going down the tubes. And so Ocasio-Cortez says, I know you have a lot of skin in the game. I know you have a lot of things that you're up at night praying about. But what I think you should do is stop praying. Goodness gracious, you don't need that. What you need is some socialism. Now, I'm going to call it democratic socialism, just like you can call something. We, we could call it democratic cancer. Would you care if your doctor said, oh, don't worry, it's just democratic cancer? It's not It's not like pancreatic cancer or breast cancer, it's it's democratic cancer. No, you'd say, but is it still cancer? Yeah, it's still a cancer. Well, then I'm worried. What are we doing? What kind of what kind of treatment can I get? She says, Well, it's democratic socialism. So it's not like real socialism. Well, if it's socialism, it's socialism. Cancer is cancer is cancer. Socialism is socialism is socialism. And I remember a time when Democrats would say, yeah, we're for big government and we believe in good social policy and we believe in safety nets, but we are not touching socialism. I've met Democrats who told me, yeah, I could never get behind Bernie Sanders because I'm a Democrat, but I'm no socialist. Remember that? Now the Democrats are so desperate for votes, they'll take Ocasio-Cortez's word on things where she doesn't even know like regular Middle Eastern policy. I have teenagers running around this house who could school this college educated woman on Middle Eastern policy. There's a reason that our ally in the Middle East is Israel and not the people who want a Palestinian state. There's a reason for that. So you got to love Fox Business and specifically Stuart Varney. He took this to task, this whole. Coffee shop closing and the minimum wage hikes and all of that. And I want to listen to him do it because you got You got to be informed about everything this chick is up to because she's going to be in Congress. I, I can't believe we taxpayers are going to be on the hook for funding her. But here it is.
1: This is a real life example of what happens. What damage can, uh, can come to a, mm-hmm. a company or a society when you've got fifteen dollars an hour minimum wage? Uh, there are going to be fewer jobs. And this is a classic example of that ms ocasio cortez goes back to the coffee shop in new york where i believe she actually worked mm-hmm. where she had an entry-level job she got back there to see her old friends and found that it's about to close why is it about to close because it's going to 15 dollars an hour minimum wage mm-hmm. and the manager can't afford to run that business with that kind of a pricing structure for his labor so it's ironic, isn't it, that Ms. Ocasio-Cortez supports $15 an hour minimum wage, right. goes back to where she was started out in life, in the workplace, and finds it's closing because of the policies she supports. That's mm-hmm. irony.
0: Wait a minute. That place I love is closing because of the way I think maybe it's not going to work out. Hmm.
4: So, yeah, the place she loved, she claims she loved, was subjected to the policies that she believes in, top-down bureaucratic control, the government telling you how much you have to pay pay your employees. The government doesn't come in and say, let me see your balance sheet. Let me see your profit margins. Let's decide if you have enough available profit to increase your employees' salaries. Let's decide which of the employees deserve the $15 an hour because – Some of your employees, you probably have them on a track where you're going to increase their pay. And some of them are on a track where if they don't make some changes, they're not going to be here much longer. But the government doesn't make any distinctions for that. They don't say increase the wages of your employees who are doing a great job. They just say, nope, anyone who's working here, the minimum they can make is $15 an hour, which means you're only going to hire people who are really worth $15 an hour. But you're going to hire fewer of them because you have to because the government didn't say, here's an extra $100,000 a year to cover paying every employee $15 an hour. The government can't do that. It's already running in the red itself. The government can't even balance its own balance sheet. Federal, local, state governments, municipal governments, none of them have balance sheets that are in the black. Yet they're telling individual businesses, hey, you raise your employees' benefits. You raise their pay, you raise it to $15 an hour, an arbitrary number set by some pencil pusher who has never written a check to someone else for their work on the front. I'm, I'm telling you, start paying people for what they're doing for you. Get a couple of people in your employ and you will suddenly begin to understand that it's not really 15 or how many kids you can support on what you're making. It's how much are you delivering to me during your working hours? When you start having to balance that, when you start saying, oh, okay, wow, I, I have this person working for me and I'm pay- I have two people. One, I'm paying $8 an hour and that person is worth literally maybe $30 an hour to me because that person gets not just that person's job done, but they work like two and a half people. I am on I'm, I'm digging and looking for a way to pay that person more money because I don't want to lose that person. And then you have employee B who came in at $12 an hour because they have these skills and they have all the things on their resume and they have this background. They had a fantastic interview and they're doing a job that is technically at a higher level and they need to to be paid more. And that person works like one third of an employee. They barely get their one job that they're given done. And then everything else is, well, I'll have to look into that. Well, I can't do that extra because I've got, you know, I got family stuff. And there's nothing wrong with having family stuff. There's nothing wrong with having a family. It's, it's fantastic. I, I encourage it. But the difference between those two employees is one is worth their weight in gold, and you're going to do anything you can to find some money to pay them more when you can. And the other person, you're trying to think of a way, look, I got to get them to either do the job I'm paying them for or I need to let them go and find someone who can do it, or maybe just give their duties to my two and a half employee person and just give all their pay to them. This one person just do all of these tasks. And I've been to places, small businesses where that's the case. They have some minimum wage employees who come in on shifts and do different things. And then they have one person and you can always spot that person a mile away because every question goes to that person. That person knows everything. They've got the historical memory. They've got the, the institutional knowledge. They have the trust of the owner, and they usually have a lot more power than what their normal job description is. And they just get things done. They know how to delegate. They know which of the other employees is good for doing this job as opposed to that job. And that's the person who's worth a lot. But the government in an Ocasio-Cortez situation, and really is the situation we're living under with minimum wages as it is, minimum wage in and of itself is a bad thing for our government to be setting as policy. Just read Thomas Sowell on the issue if you don't believe it. Don't take it from me. Take it from Thomas Sowell. He is the expert on minimum wage policy in this country and what it came out of. Unions wanting to keep black people from getting jobs. Oh, you get into some of that. People start, well, I don't know what you mean. No, I'm not calling unions racist. Not all unions are racist, but Davis Bacon Act was not about Making sure that people got paid $750 an hour. Davis Bacon was about making sure that black employees couldn't compete with union workers. hmm Yeah. Look that up. So I have to say, when you start looking at it that way, and then you think about what Ocasio Cortez wants to foist upon the American people, she wants a bunch of know-nothing. Washington bureaucrats to be able to tell every person in America what they have to pay people who work for them. She wants bureaucrats in Washington, D.C. to be able to tell you how much food you can eat, how many straws you can buy, if any, how much coffee you can drink, how much soda you can drink. If you own your own home, how much of the money that you earn from your employer is yours and the rest of it gets confiscated and taken to the government because everyone needs a basic minimum wage. How everyone is entitled to a college degree, even people who don't want one. How taxpayers have to foot the bill for all that. And we're talking about $42 trillion worth of nonsense that Ocasio-Cortez and Bernie Sanders want to force on the American people. And when I say force, I do not mean they're saying let's vote these things in. I mean they're saying let's give democratic socialism a try, which means you don't have your rights anymore. So if there was ever a time you thought, you know, I got to make an appointment for the midterms, that time is now. You need to be prayerfully considering who you're going to vote for, and then you need to go out and actually do it. Because people like Ocasio-Cortez, who don't, she doesn't actually have a viable political party, so she runs as a Democrat, and the Democrats are allowing this. Instead of kicking her out and saying, you know, there's a lot of things we want to try, but that ain't it. We can read the news. We know what's going on in Venezuela. They're eating the zoo animals and their own pets in Venezuela. Why would we want to try that? We're trying to improve America, not make it like that. They have so many people immigrating out of Venezuela that the surrounding countries are like, whoa, come on now. You can't be, all y'all can't come over here. This is not other Venezuela. Y'all got to stay in your own place. And Maduro wants to clean out any opposition because notice he's still fat. He's, He's living in a country where on average his countrymen, have lost 29 pounds on average per person, and he's still fat, like he was when everything was going well. So Ocasio-Cortez, is she's, she's going in. It's, she's running basically unopposed. This is not about defeating her, but it is about us. We have to understand what people want to do. We have to understand what people are running on. People are running on ideas that either work and have been proven to work or ideas that have not been proven to work. And that's what we have to be looking at. So we'll take calls, of course. We have uh, Demetrius Minor up next. He's going to be with us from Americans for Prosperity talking about stadium subsidies. That's going to be an interesting interview. Um, we also have the call lines open at 866 963 20378669632037. And we also have our website at urbanfamilytalk.com. I have to say it's only been what, not even a whole week that we are back from the Urban Family Talk Marriage and Family Conference, but that was such a great time. And um it, it's going to be wonderful to see what we're able to do next year this time, uh, you know, around this time next year being able to do with the uh, um you know, second urban family talk family conference. It's going to be fantastic. Um, so apparently there are some Trump Democrats in Pennsylvania who support Trump and say that CNN's coverage of Cohen and Manafort is a sideshow. And you know, that billionaire Tom Steyer, he continues to attack Democrats for not pursuing impeachment as one of their, uh, campaign items. Um, I think they're not pursuing it because it's 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 a it's a non-issue. It's a non like no one wants to put the nation through impeachment. Not not regular people. Then you've got Texas Democrats calling for decriminalizing the border crossing. In other words, open borders. Democrats in Texas say crossing the border illegally should no longer be a criminal matter. The United States was has built a system on incarcerating migrants. We really have to evaluate the way that we've criminalized mi- migration. Like how Mexico has examined that, because Mexico still hasn't changed their law. If you're in the country, you are not allowed to uh, be there illegally. You can't. If you're there illegally, you get arrested, even by a citizen, and they don't have the best like they're not they're not taking care of you the way we take care of people in our prisons all right when we get back we're going to have demetrius minor um americans for prosperity stay there This is Just a Minute with Stacey Washington. Well, the Freedom From Religion Foundation is at it again. This time, the Anti-Liberty Group is targeting a cafe offering a 10% discount to any patrons that show a church bulletin. Starters Cafe in Chevy Ohio is a growing brunch spot which the owner, Justin Watson, wants to capitalize on. Since the cafe's busiest day is Sunday, Offering a church flyer discount has been very popular and is similar to restaurants offering savings to veterans, moms on Mother's Day, dads on Father's Day, senior citizens, and pretty much anyone celebrating a birthday. The Freedom From Religion Foundation likens this marketing genius to whites-only policies calling it racist. Of course, the go-to for anyone wanting to infringe on the rights of others is to cry racism. Fortunately, Mr. Watson is standing his ground. Perhaps someone will start a foundation to advocate for our freedom from baseless attacks from the Freedom from Religion Foundation. I'm Stacey Washington. Find out more at StacyOnTheRight.com.
1: Back to Genesis with Dr. John Morris, scientist and creation researcher with the Institute for Creation Research.
3: Dr. Morris, when did the mammoths die? Chris, the mammoths were thought to have died out about 10,000 years ago. And although evolutionists have admitted that early man must have seen the mammoths, more recent evidence has caused them much consternation. In the tomb of one of the pharaohs in Egypt is a drawing of men carrying ivory tusk on their shoulders. Next to them is an animal that sure looks like a mammoth, with hairy skin and a domed head just like we see in mammoth fossils. And why not? Mammoths are a variety of the elephant kind, and two of them were on board Noah's Ark. Certainly humans knew of them, and from the earliest times, have made use of their ivory. Chris, it's the Back to Genesis view of history which makes sense out of the evidence.
0: To learn more about creation, get our free DVD called That's a Fact. Visit our web store at icr.org slash store. And use the promo code FACT at the checkout when ordering your That's a Fact DVD. Securing America.
4: As the midterm elections approach, National Security Advisor John Bolton has a warning and an olive branch for Russia. After meeting with his Russian counterpart in Geneva, Bolton told reporters he brought up the issue of election meddling right off the bat.
0: Raised a number of times during these uh, consultations, which lasted uh, a little bit over five hours, Uh, but uh, we weren't able to reach agreement on that.
4: A lack of consensus on meddling prevented the two leaders from issuing a joint statement, but Bolton said he was firm with the director of the Russian National
3: Security Council.
0: I made it clear that we wouldn't tolerate meddling in 2018 uh, and that we were prepared to take uh, necessary steps to prevent it from happening.
4: Bolton told the AP there won't be any new sanctions against Russia if there's no further interference. In Washington, Rachel Sutherland, Fox News.
1: You can download episodes of Stacy of the Right from the podcast page on
5: AFR.net or urbanfamilytalk.com. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk.
4: Hey, welcome back to the show. Thanks for being here today. Happy Friday to you. Happy weekend before we even get started I'm wishing you guys have a fantastic weekend. Um, right now, it's my pleasure to welcome someone who is uh, his frequent guest of the show, I guess you could say, uh, when talking about issues for Americans for Prosperity in his new role as uh, coalition's director for Florida for Americans for Prosperity. And so it's my pleasure to welcome Demetrius Minor to the program. Hi, Demetrius. Well,
5: hey, Stacey. How are you? Happy Friday.
4: I'm doing pretty well. Um how about you?
5: <laughs> doing great. I mean, it's raining here in your sunshine state, but um you know, you just learn to adapt to it and keep trucking and keep moving along.
4: It's raining here too. So, I tried to go out and do a walk this morning and it was raining like the big drops where it kind of they all hit you in the face and so I thought, well, this isn't going to work. So I came back inside. Um so let's talk about this stadium funding thing. Like, this is an interesting issue because it, I was uh, pre previewing your, your spot here today on the show. And I was kind of referencing what happened here in St. Louis when we lost the Rams. It was really unfortunate because we did have a hardcore constituency of, uh, you know, St. Louisans who loved to attend Rams games. And they were season ticket holders. And they had all the gear and stuff. And when Stan Kroenke kind of uprooted the team and left, even after we'd given him the – Tax breaks, tax rebates, and some promises of money to come in—he just up and moved the team anyway. So let's talk about these subsidies.
5: And Stacey, what you just mentioned is what we're thinking here in Florida, and, and quite frankly, uh, Florida, uh, this isn't uh, anything new. It's actually going around nationwide. So the base, the Major League Baseball team known as the Tampa Bay Rays, are seeking to relocate their baseball stadium, and that's, it's actually currently held in the city that I live in, in like Petersburg. They're looking to relocate it to Ybor City, which is right outside of Tampa. And so what they're telling us is this is going to cost $890 million. Well, it's always higher. Than the, the cost is always higher than the original request. So let's just go ahead and round that up to a billion dollars. They're looking for taxpayer money for $1 billion to relocate their stadium. Stadium is not even 20 years old, Stacey. So our, our problem is this. Look, if you want a new baseball field, that's fine. Don't expect taxpayers to pay for it. So one of the big arguments is, well, this is going to help contribute to the economic growth and economic development in that particular region. Well, that's also not true. Um, If you look at a study that's done by, I think it's done by um, the Mercatus Center at um, George Mason University, it shows that when you build a new stadium, it does not contribute to sustained economic growth. What it does is it enriches team ownership. So they come to you and they say, okay, we built a new stadium and downtown Tampa, or like you said, downtown St. Louis, when people go to a baseball game, they're also going to go to the shops and the centers that surround where the stadium is. Well, I don't know if you've been to a baseball game recently, but these modern-day stadiums, they have indoor pools, they have restaurants, they have shopping centers, different plazas. So if you take your family to a baseball game, and say so you get hungry, right? Well, most people, they get a hamburger, they get nachos, they get a hot dog. They order food there within the stadium. You're not going to wait two and a half hours after a baseball game, drive 30 or 40 minutes across town. Let's not even factor in the time you're going to have to wait for traffic to get out of the parking lot. And then wait another 30 to 40 minutes and spend money there. When you can spend money right there in the stadium, so the return of investment is not beneficial to the taxpayers, and so that's what we're up against here in Florida. So what
4: is the what is the solution here? Because the the teams always say, "Look, it's not economically feasible feasible for us to foot the entire bill for this stadium or this whatever we." You know, we 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 need you to to subsidize it, and and this is a benefit to you, and you've just kind of eviscerated that. But what what is the answer? Like, is it just them paying for their own stuff?
5: Well, several things. You know, um, the team owners, if they really feel like um, there's there's much needed upgrades to these facilities, if they're the owners, Casey, it shouldn't it, it shouldn't be. Um, nonsensical for us to ask them to pay for it, or they can go through private um, investors, or they can um, crowdsource There's various ways for them to raise funding capital for these projects without asking the taxpayers to foot the bill. And I think the best long-term answer to this is to stop electing officials who support corporate welfare. It's not the government's role pick winners and losers. Look at what just happened in Las Vegas. $750 million in stadium subsidies for, for the Oakland Raiders in California to relocate to Las Vegas, Nevada. $750 million. And what we're finding, I think this also happened in Minnesota. This also happened in Atlanta with the Atlanta Blaze. What we're finding is this state, the stadiums are not seeing their return on investment. So, guess how they have to cover the fees? Guess how they have to pay the bill? They raise taxes. For example, in Atlanta, I am a, I am a huge Braves fan. But this mm. is the uh, let me interject, well,
4: listeners. When he says he's a huge Braves fan, I don't think you understand. So, part of the year, his entire Twitter feed is dedicated to. conversing about the Braves. (laughs) and He's such a huge baseball fan that whenever he goes to a new city that he's never been to before, if they have a baseball team, he wants to go and visit their stadium so that he can compare it to the Atlanta Braves stadium and also put it on his list of stadiums that he's visited because he believes all of the stadiums are like, there's something unto themselves. And so I can't wait until he comes to St. Louis. We're obviously going to have dinner with him as a family. And then we're going to have to take him to see the stadium for the Cardinals. So <laughs> he's, he's a it. huge fan. Huge fan. We're, huge uh, huge baseball huge guy. Fan. Yeah,
5: But I'm not a huge fan of what the Braves did. A couple of years ago, they had no public hearings on this, Stacey. They told the citizens of Cobb County. They said, okay, we're going to relocate our stadium here. You're going to pay for it. So they built this nice stadium, state of the art, and because to make up for the money, to make up for the fees, do you know that they raised the bed tax, which is the... <laughs> the, hotel tax,
4: tax? <laughs>
5: the, the, the hotel tax. bed tax?
4: The hotel bed tax. And
5: public libraries are closing. So you, we look at the direct hit that it's having on that local economy because they decided to build a new new stadium there on taxpayer dime, We're trying to prevent this from happening in in Tampa, and it really just amazes me, the co-op politicians who are in bed with big business who don't tell the public anything, and they're trying to be very sneaky. They're trying to uh, be very secretive in how they're doing this. This has happened nationwide. And as corporate welfare.
4: So let's 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 get as serious as possible about this because, as someone who enjoys the stadiums yourself for baseball, right. you have a kind of a thing about wanting to see, you know, the, the continuation of these sports entities. And I, I have this. This isn't a, one of those things where, since I'm not a football fan, I don't like stadium funding for them. But I'm fine with it for the the hockey teams or the baseball teams. I don't, I don't believe any of the stadiums sh- stadium should be subsidized by us. I really don't. I what? do think that when you look at these multi-billion dollar industries and the ticket sales and all of that, and you even mentioned crowdfunding, there are so many mechanisms by which you can build something huge and amazing, and especially when you're a really, really rich organization like the NFL, that it is almost an atrocity that they expect taxpayers to subsidize it. So what is the answer here?
5: The answer here is that the public has to get more involved. The answer here is that we have to hold politicians accountable um, because they're not counting on citizens being educated um, on this subject. Listen, just like anywhere else, business, there's competition, and they're being lied to by these team owners. So team owners are telling folks, hey, listen, if you don't fund this new baseball team, OK, we're going to go across town. We're going to relocate to a different state where they would give us more bang for our buck. It's simply not true. They also give them this arbitrary deadline that they have to go by because they, they make it look like it's a state of urgency. Listen, the baseball team is not going to be vacuumed up by a volcano if they, if they don't get the money to relocate to a new state. Here, where I live, Stacy, on a minor league level, they're seeking $24 million to build a dormitory on a spring training facility, a dormitory. And they expect the funds to be there by December. Now, that's not going to happen. But Stacy, what baseball stadium have you been to where you've seen living quarters dormitory court <laughs> on a stadium It's ridiculous
4: never they've seen been taking it.
5: advantage of county commissioners for years and it needs to come to a stop
4: so i i understand that you're so you're coalition's director for afp and you're trying to bring some some knowledge to this and we we do have affiliates in florida so it's good to you know have this conversation i'm just trying to i just when do we as taxpayers say you know what Enough is enough. Like, if you're the kind of person who's elected into municipal office or local government office that you want to keep pouring taxpayer dollars into these stadiums, uh, we got to elect somebody else who knows how to balance a checkbook. Somebody who's actually, like, responsible. That's what we have to do.
5: So, Stacey, you're absolutely right. This is why local elections matter. I know there's a lot of talk right now about the House and the Senate, governor's racist. That's important when you talk about funds, you talk about budget, look at what's on the commission level, the commissioners. Look at the mayor of those cities. Those are the people that determine the budgets for the city and where the money is going to be spent. And if we can get fiscal conservatives elected to state and local governments, things like taxpayer subsidies, corporate welfare, hopefully we'll see an end to this. Because that's going to have the most direct impact on fences such as you and I.
4: Mm. Well, I got to say, I agree. So uh, we can't get off this call without finding out how the Braves did this year. I mean, obviously the season is still going, but yeah.
5: We're we're in first place by three games over the Phillies. And um, we're looking good. We got players that are in the rookie of the year race and the MVP race, and I think we've got 35 games left. Not that I'm paying attention or anything, <laughs> um, but we, we play the Marlins tonight. Uh, I do, you can schedule, I
4: still make time for this. I was gonna say, there's no way I asked him this question and he can't give a full breakdown. <laughs> <laughs> you could honestly be a sports capster in your spare time for baseball if you wanted, you could. <laughs>
5: And I might have to
4: pursue that. Hey, it's not a bad gig from what I can tell. It makes lots of money and, and all they have to do is just talk about it. Because you, have you noticed that baseball hasn't been corrupted by this push to talk politics? ESPN still talks a lot of politics. But when you listen to the baseball guys, they don't seem like they're into politics. They're just only into baseball, which means their games are still well attended and they, they don't have the problems the NFL has.
5: That's very true. I've never noticed that. But um, when I listen to Braves game or baseball for that matter, you know, the commentary
3: is usually about
5: the game. Unless there's some big cultural um, event that happened in that particular city, there may be a reference to it. But for the most part, they stick to the game, for which I appreciate.
4: Yeah, I'm sure all the fans appreciate that. And the NFL could do well to take a, a page from that. And I... I know that there's this big push for people, you know, with the with the protests. There's something that these players want done, but they've been off all summer and they haven't said diddly about anything. And now that they're going back to work, they're starting to protest again. And you kind of think to yourself, "Well, what were you doing all summer? Couldn't you have staged some protests over the summer? Like, why do you have to do it during the games when people who may not agree with you are watching and it's ruining their ratings?" And I just I think one of the things that I'd love you to weigh in on as we're going out here. Will will this even this anthem thing even be an issue for the NFL if they lose all of their viewers?
5: Well, I'll tell you what, Stacy. Um, two things. I, I I do believe in freedom of speech, and I also believe in free market and capitalism. And so, by the way, the free markets have kind of responded to what players are doing what the ownership is allowing them to do or not to do um, shows us that the conversation and the narrative is changing with the NFL. And so owners, owners are trying to respond to the market. The yep, we're running, running out NFL. of time. D.
4: We'll have to talk about this next time. God bless yep, you. Yep. Thanks for coming on and God bless all of you. Talk to you on Monday, Lord willing, get in the pew on Sunday. Have a great weekend.